Good morning, Connect. Uh, PD here. Um, just want to welcome you to our service today as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit. Come on, I know it's a video, the Holy Spirit. Anyway, we're just kind of uh, debunking and demystifying and taking away some of the you know, concerns and confusion that um, circle the conversations and content of the Holy Spirit. Spent quite a bit of time. This is the final installment of the series uh, on the Holy Spirit. I hope you enjoy. I want to first just take a couple of minutes and uh, make you aware of a couple of really important things. Number one, for all the men in the house, uh, we've got our men's advance. As I said last week, uh, men don't retreat, men advance. That's why we call it a men's advance. But that's just kind of a Saturday uh, thing, nine to three. It's not even probably going to be till three o'clock on March 1st. That's coming up next week. You don't want to miss that. We have an incredible guest speaker who'll be with us from Florida, uh, Pastor Randy Bizet, a very, very close and personal friend of mine, a phenomenal uh, leader, uh, pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in America. He will be with us next week. We have some incredible fun and activities and food and a man cave and competitions and sumo suits and arm wrestling and who can do the most push-ups. I don't know. All that kind of stuff will be going on next week, so you don't want to miss the men's advance. Also, uh, circling back to this week, uh, tonight uh, at SNL, uh, one of my spiritual sons will be here. Uh, Pastor Emmy Vasquez will be here from Excel Church. As many of you know, he just launched a church, a uh, brand new plant uh, in the Lemonster Fitchburg area on February 2nd. Phenomenal plant, uh, done a great job. They had uh, almost 400 people at their uh, initial service and just doing great. So he'll be here tonight. Many of you know him and have uh, had some contact with him and know the anointing that's on his life. So please make plans to be here tonight. Um, you can probably tell I'm not here, at least in person. I'm here with you in spirit. And uh, I spent a lot of time in prayer just kind of preparing this message for you. So I hope that um, you can kind of just tune in. I'm currently in Florida ministering at a church in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Um, just a couple days after this was recorded, a leadership thing, and then uh, three Sunday services on the weekend. And then I'm at um, Pastor Randy's church um, at Bayside Community Church in Sarasota, Florida, for a Relate uh, coaching event as well. So I'll be with you in the following week, and that's where we're going to kick off a brand new series called Dynasty, where we're going to just kind of build relationships that are blast and that last, because it's our God-given right. God wants us to have relationships where we're happy, where not in the sense that the world describes it, but in the sense that the Bible describes it, but God wants you to be happy, happy, happy. And so don't miss next week. We'll have a teaser at this end of the service so you can see a little bit about coming attractions for our next series. So let's just get into the Word. There's two scriptures that I want to point out to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians chapter 6. You can look on in your worship guide. Uh, worship guide right now, or also on your phone, follow along on version. The bulletin is in there as well. Um, all five weeks, let me just say, prior to this, we again have just been spending time talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, the primary role of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the person, the Holy Spirit is a person. We've talked about Pentecost, what really was going on there in Acts chapter 2, and looking back in order to be able to look forward and get the big picture and the big idea. And then in week four, we talked about the three baptisms spoken of in the New Testament. Baptism into Jesus or the body of Christ, which relates to salvation. Water baptism, a second baptism that we're all comfortable with. But then we also talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, just talked about the really the motivation there was not so much about uh, our eternity, but about our earth experience. How to... Uh, overcome in this life and have the necessary power, uh, friend, uh, counsel, advice, gifts, love, you know, the self-control, fruit of the Spirit, all these different things that we need to be able to navigate this crazy, nuts, cursed world that's right out there right now. And many of you responded with uh, enthusiasm uh, and with expectation. Um, in that particular week, we had 75 plus or minus people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a main service. And then last week, we talked about the spiritual gifts. I really enjoyed this service. This was one of my favorite messages to talk about. I've had a passion for this particular subject. If you weren't here last week because of the storm, uh, you missed it. <laughs> it was incredible. And we had a packed house. We just did one service. I believe those CDs are available, or you can also listen online. Please, please, please. Uh, get that message and learn about spiritual gifts because 87% of believers do not know 
uh, their spiritual gifts. And they are so helpful and so effective and powerful uh, in the Christian experience. So this week we're going to talk about the particular gift that has given people so much you know, uh, concern and, and, and cause so much conflict sometimes and controversy within the body of Christ. We're not going to just talk, um, you know, from a uh, 30,000 foot elevation. We're going to zero in right now, come down right here on, on uh, ground zero and talk about the grace of tongues or the gift of tongues. And what do I mean by that? Basically, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul distinguishes between the public grace, or the public gift, I should say, and the private grace. And we must learn to distinguish between these two things, the public and the private. And we, under, we need to understand that the public gift, it requires an interpretation, as we learned last week when we discussed the spiritual gifts. But the private grace, praying in the Spirit, the gift uh, praying in tongues or praying uh, in, a, in a heavenly language, uh, that is something that all believers can and I believe should have the opportunity to experience. It's a prayer language uh, to the Lord. And I'm going to show you this in a minute, but um, it's a language from God that bypasses this finite mind, in a way, this noggin that can sometimes limit and short-circuit um, the communication between God and man. And in some respects, it's essential that it bypass this, and it just go from our spirit to God's spirit. But first, let me give you a little historical background um, that really caused a lot of this controversy. It was pure in its roots and its beginnings, but it then kind of it kind of had some uh, problems as it went forward. And um, there's often associated with this private grace uh, some negative and sometimes uh, argumentative attitudes. And, and a controversial question came up in the um, early introduction of this private grace in America in particular. And the question was this, have you received, and I introduced this in week one, I think, have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues? Or they should say the initial, they added another word, physical evidence of speaking in tongues. And basically words kept getting added over the years. And this controversy started back in... Um, out of America, in 1904, there was in Wales uh, a mighty move of God, a great revival. We know it today in history as the Great Welsh Revival. And this revival eventually spread over to America. And in 1906, it broke out actually in several places in America, places like Kansas City, different places all over the, uh, America. But it was predominantly known, uh, really um, took off in uh, California, the West Coast, specifically on Azusa Street. If you want to get even more specific, it started on another street called Bonnie Ray. And if you've ever been, the reason I bring that up is because if you've ever been out to California, specifically LA, these streets are still there today, pretty famous streets. Um, but these people began praying uh, on Azusa Street for a, a revival, for a move of God. And many people, as a result, began to experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and also began to speak in other tongues. And the pastor of this revival, William Seymour, actually I think he was a, 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 a blind, or totally blind or half blind, I can't remember, but he began to teach and preach that speaking in tongues was the initial uh, experience that uh, believers, just like in the book of Acts, when they received the Holy Spirit. And it was, it was the initial experience. But they began to, over time, um, uh, see some criticism, and some of these believers began to be ostracized, and different uh, sects and divisions, in fact, and eventually denominations began to be birthed because some believed that you had to have it, and some believed that it was uh, a get to, not a got to. And they began to argue, and a spirit of debate and and criticism again broke out over time. And once that spirit of debate uh, kind of broke out, they began to accept that the sign of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. That became kind of accepted. And as a result, this is kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes of it. People would think you either have it or you don't. In other words, I can judge whether you do or you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit by whether or not you have received the initial physical evidence with speaking in tongues or in speaking in tongues. 
And uh, it seems like in every revival, if, if we're honest, there the enemy will always try to come in and get a foothold in there and distort and, and kind of distract and get the people away from the main purpose, uh, the main intent, the main message of what God was up to. And I believe that God was trying to introduce the person of the Holy Spirit in our life, as we've discussed thus far, his role that he's a person to help us, sanctification of our life, give us the fruit, the gifts, the love, the power, all of it, not just one thing. But, but unfortunately, uh, that wasn't what happened for, for all the people at this particular time. And the enemy's just always using these tactics to try to stop the move of God when it's afoot. Uh, just as a point of information, this revival that took place in Azusa, it actually birthed many powerful denominations. Uh, the Assemblies of God, for example, the United Pentecostal Church, the Church of God in Christ, the Foursquare Church. These were all just, those are four major denominations. And Pentecostal or charismatic denominations are, are the fastest growing uh, denomination in the world, second only to the Catholic Church. And uh, over 500 million people uh, believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the grace of tongues. And so this is, you're on solid ground, not only um, biblically, which I'll show you in a few minutes, but you're on solid ground in terms of the contingent and the constituency that believe this. But many revivals have since been birthed uh, from this move of God. And again, one of the things that happened, just as a follow-up, is people began to put pressure on people to receive the Holy Spirit. So because of the the, the context and how this happened, because of the interpretation of how it was spoken by Pastor William Seymour and others, uh, people began to take that information and put pressure on people to receive the grace of tongues. Let me say it this way. It's as if tongues became, and I believe this is in your worship guide, it's as if tongues beca became a demand rather than a desire. It became a demand rather than a desire. Uh, and this is what bothers me. This is what kind of this is what this is what clearly hinders many people from receiving something. Is it's a have to, it's a got to. It's not a get to. It's not a desire. And the spirit behind that statement is kind of more the issue. I knew a kid growing up in church. Um, he told me this when I was in college. His name was Troy, and he went to a Pentecostal church. And every single week they had prayer to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every single week. And you went down to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, specifically to receive one gift, the gift of tongues, which, of course, um, I've already taught is you know, not the only thing you receive. You receive so much more. And uh, you couldn't leave the altar until you received the gift of tongues. And so he grew up in this environment. He watched this. And when he came of age to kind of want it, um, unfortunately, it was, it was not the, the best experience. He was kind of pushed and pressured to get down to the altar. And, and uh, as a background, the kid's father was a missionary at one particular time to Japan. And, and he learned how to speak Japanese. And so Troy was exposed to some words, some Japanese words. So keep that in the back of your mind. So he's down there one day, and he's... Uh, being prayed for and he's just not he's just struggling he's struggling with the pressure he's struggling with the expectation and and the particular pastor is like trying to get him to to do something to make something happen and on top of that Troy's a young kid and he's getting hungry uh, he'd like to eat and he and, and he's, he's getting tired and so he's kind of stressing out he's hungry he'd like to eat and so he decided to fake it till he makes it and so he thought, you know what, I'm just going to throw out some of these Japanese words <laughs> that my father taught me. And he starts saying these Japanese words, and the pastor starts smiling getting excited. And he's just getting ready to testify about Troy receiving his prayer language. And then he feels a little tap on his shoulder. What he didn't know was his father was right there behind him. And he heard the whole thing, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, no, 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 no. He didn't, he didn't get it. He's, he's, he's speaking Japanese. Anyway, needless to say, he got in a lot of trouble. And, uh, and, and that's what I think happens sometimes is people, they fake it till they make it. This is not always the case, but some of you out there have been in these environments where there's this pressure. And you, at some point, you, you know, those of you maybe have experienced some of this, you know what I'm talking about. You've got that pressure and you, you eventually kind of feel like you need to kind of give in and make something up. And, you know, she's got to say something. She wrote a Honda, not a Kawasaki. Or you got to come up with something. We used to say, you know, Honda tie my bow tie. You come up with these words just to get the pressure off and, 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 and get this whole thing shut down. And most of us, in a nutshell, and I think this is in your notes, most of us have either grown up where the gifts have not been used or they have been abused. And, and I think in most cases, people have 
grown up with their gifts haven't been used at all. But there are many people within the sound of my voice that are listening either um, here live or listening online um, that have seen it abused. And so I'm kind of speaking to that abuse a little bit. That's the big problem. Most of us have never kind of grown up where there was a, a, a balanced, theologically sound, safe environment for us to be able to experience and see the gifts used and see them not abused. And so we're going to talk about some of these um, particulars uh, so we can see things right in a little bit more detail. But why do we believe in the grace of tongues? I'm going to give you three reasons why we believe in the grace of tongues. Number one, because it's scriptural. It's scriptural. Come on, everybody, say it. It's scriptural. Or you could say it's biblical. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not, listen to this, speak to men, but to God. We're not speaking to man, we're speaking to God. There's that bypass that I was talking about, where it goes around your head, goes straight to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, remember these words, this is the tongues part, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So he who speaks in, in tongues is a person who is, is synonymous or is speaking in the Spirit. Speaking in tongues is the same or equivalent to praying in the Spirit. And that's where some of our brothers and sisters in Christ differ and kind of divide. That's why you have sometimes denominations that split over these things. Denominations means divided names. They're having biblical uh, separations over these points. But I'm just saying, look at the Bible and look what it says. Clearly praying in the Spirit is praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 is primarily under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Paul, trying to help us understand the difference between the public uh, use of the gift and the private use or, or grace of speaking in, uh, in tongues or praying in the Spirit. And I think, you know, what's funny is, here's what's happening. And I, I, I kind of had a revelation about what it would have been like in the Corinthian church. Why did Paul have to write this letter? Like we talked about last week, he, he had all these now concernings. He was answering all these questions. Here's what's going on in the, in the Corinthian church here and the Christian believers that are experiencing this grace of tongues is people would come together uh, publicly. They'd bump into each other, see each other, they would gauge each other, and they would start speaking in tongues and wait for someone to interpret. In other words, somebody would go up and say, hey, how you doing? And then the other guy would go, she wrote a Honda, not a Kawasaki. And they would wait for interpretation. And Paul's saying, no, no, that's not, that's not how we do it. That's not what this is about. They, that's what they thought they were supposed to do. And they were expecting interpretation. He said, no, no, no. That's what this grace, this grace of tongues is not for that. This isn't tongues with interpretation, public. This is praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, private, for personal. So I'll explain as we go forward. So they, they couldn't understand. They didn't get it. So Paul says, you know, if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, how will they know or gather for battle? I would much rather that when you get together, you speak five, this is what you do in a public sense, five words that you can understand than 10,000 that you cannot understand. So again, he's clarifying in this chapter the difference between the two. Going on, verse 14, it says, For if I pray, that's key, we'll come back to that, in a tongue, this is very important, this tells you you can do it, okay? That, that right there tells you you can do it. My spirit prays. Not my mind. I hope, I hope you get this. But my understanding, my mind part, is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit. This is tongues. And I also pray with the understanding. This is English, okay? If you speak English. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless, bless is just another word for pray. You say, let's bless the food. If you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed... That's the pre-believer. Say amen at your giving of thanks. Another word for prayer. Since he does not understand what you say. For indeed you give thanks, pray, well in the spirit. Again, that's tongues. But the other is not edified. He is not built up or strengthened. It's very clear in 1 Corinthians 14 and following what's going on here. Verse 18, I love this. He says, Paul, again, the guy who wrote, one-third of the New Testament, that's one-third more than any of us wrote, the, super, the greatest apostle who ever lived, he said, I thank my God that I pray in tongues more than you all. Think about that. It's pretty powerful. So why do we believe in the grace of tongues? Because it's biblical. Praying in the Spirit uh, and with the understanding, this clearly, that word pray in the Spirit clearly refers to this grace of tongues. Number two, next. It's not only biblical, it's not only scriptural, it's a benefit. It's a benefit. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, He who speaks in tongues, or in a tongue, edifies, this word means to build up, build an edifice, 
this word means build up, edifies himself. So that's a private benefit, not a public one. But, now this word can be translated, uh, actually this word is used 2,792 times. I looked it up in my little Bible program. And it's a conjunction. It joins these kind of two parts of a sentence. And that word but is, I always want to say something about but, so I'll try not to do that. But that word but is not always translated but. Sometimes it's actually translated and. Sometimes it's translated and then. Or on the other hand, all right? But so you could say this. Um, I could read that again. But or and he who prophesies edifies the church. So I'll read it again. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, and, or and then, or on the other hand, he who prophesies edifies the church. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, it says, he edifies himself. And some, theolo some theologians, some people, for some reason, don't like this point. Like, what's wrong with doing something that edifies you? What's, what's wrong with doing something that builds you up? Is it good to be built up? Do you need to be built up? I don't know about you, but I think we need to be built up. I think there's a lot that's happening in our life. This is what I love about the Holy Spirit. Again, if you can see him right, it's to help us because life is tearing you down. I mean, it's like the little guy from the land of Lilliput. You know, we're doomed. We're not going to make it. We're just dragging our knuckles. We're just, we're just going through life. Just, oh my gosh, how am I going to make it? The Holy Spirit is there to help you. Praying in the Spirit builds you up. It doesn't puff you up where you think more highly of yourself than you ought, but it makes you realize how big God is and how much you can do in Christ. And so it's very powerful for you. He says it builds you up. When you pray, let's think about this. When you pray with your understanding, in other words, when you pray knowing what you're saying, and you're praying in English, you build yourself up, right? When you, when you read your Bible, you build yourself up, right? So... Look at this next text now with, with fresh eyes. This is the one I referred to in the beginning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says this. And, and the key word here is whole. W-H-O-L-E, okay? Whole armor of God. Now, many, many of you have heard messages on this, probably series on this. You've read this. Some of us don't know how to apply it. Uh, some of us do, but I, but I bet you many of us are not applying the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole, everybody say the whole, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, it's hard to stand up, and we're living in an evil day. Is, is that not true? We're living in an evil day today. Could we possibly be living in an evil day? I think so. And then it says, uh, so you can withstand in the evil day, and having, notice all the ING words coming up, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying, it's the same sentence from Corinthians now here, praying always with all prayer and supplication, that can be translated either way, here uh, you could say with or in, this next word, praying always with all prayer and supplication in or with the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. The Spirit. That's praying in tongues. Paul said, if I pray in tongues, you're praying in the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 14. So many of us are, we see the whole armor of God. i got to put on the helmet. I, gotta, I need the sword of the Spirit. I need to know the Word of God. I need to say, it is written when the devil tempts me, like he did in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. I need to know the Word of God. I need to have the breastplate. I need to know, I need to make sure I'm in right standing with God. Confess my faults one another. Pray for one another. You know, there may be, I need to make sure I'm in right standing. I, I need all those different parts. The belt of truth, if I hide in my heart, the inner parts. You know, God wants the truth in the inner parts of who we are. There's so, we get that. But praying in the Spirit, I, I venture to say many of us are not putting on the whole armor of God. you got an enemy, but you need the whole armor to fight your enemy. And I wonder how many believers don't put on the whole armor of God because they don't know about it and because the Holy Spirit has in essence been omitted from their doctrine and from their daily lives. Let me show you another great text on this. Jude, verse 20. Jude has one chapter, so it's just Jude 20. And it says, But you, beloved... Building yourselves up. There's just another word for edify. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Look what's coming up here. What? What's coming up here? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. There it is again. There's that grace 
that grace of tongues, again, it's in Corinthians, it's in Ephesians, it's in Jude, let me tell you, it's in a lot of places, okay? So, uh, again, I want to ask you, is there any one of you out there that need to be built up? Are you built up enough? I, I, no, I, you know what, Pastor? I'm totally built up. I am built up too much. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard anybody say, I'm built up too much. I'm good. I'm, I'm as strong as I need to be. I'm strong as an ox spiritually. No, because in many respects, this is my front row experience into the human life and, and just all the kind of problems, you know, that happen and stuff. I think in many respects, America, while it's the most affluent, while it maybe has the most gifting, the most opportunity, it's the most defeated in many ways. It's the most defeated uh, nation of the world. A lot of times because we don't understand how to build ourselves up in our faith. And I know this because we all, we, we face these, when we face these trials that come our way, it knocks us down so easily. We get sidetracked. It reminds me of a funny story. I was just thinking about all the snow we've had. For the love of Moses, if we had a lot of snow. And I was thinking about when I was a boy, my mom would get stuck uh, in her big 1977 Pontiac Catalina on the end of the driveway, and she couldn't get the car up the driveway. So she would just leave it in the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of the road. And so I'd have to get out of my house, go down, dig the car out, and then get it up our driveway. Now, we had this horrible driveway, all right? It was this, I don't have time to tell you the whole thing, but it was a super narrow driveway, rocks on one side, cliff on the other. I'm not kidding you, cliff, like like uh, 70 degree, you know, descending angle there, right? And so no wonder she didn't want to drive up because she was afraid she was going to go down over the side of the hill or she was going to smash it on the other side. But I like to do that. <laughs> I like to drive cars and go through crazy weather and terrain or whatever. And it wasn't my car and I wasn't paying the insurance anyway, so who cares? So I get up to the end of that street and I do a nice little fishtail and, um, and I did that car. Well, one time we, we were driving together in a snowstorm and she's like, you're going to have to take the car up. Because I, I can't do it. And I said, well, well Mom, do you want to walk up? She's, she's like, no, I can't walk up in this. I, I said, all right, well, I'll just drive you up. So, man, I just poured it on. I drove down the end of the cul-de-sac, did a nice little 360 fishtail. She's already freaking out. And then we drive up that hill. And as we're driving up that hill, she puts her foot through the floor. Of course, she's in the passenger seat. There's no pedal. There's no brake. She puts her put, foot through the floor, her hands up on the glass. She's screaming out. And she starts screaming in tongues. La, 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 la. And she's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then tongues, tongues, tongues. And Jesus, Jesus, tongues, tongues. And, be, and, and it just revealed that she needed to be built up. Because life, the trial, everything that was going on was scaring her to death. But what if we were built up before that happened so we didn't have to be in that crisis emergency mode all the time? What if, like a cup, we were filled already so we could face the things of life? That's what praying in the Spirit is there for. Sure, it can be there in crisis. And you can, you know, peel the paint off the walls with your prayers in the last minute and scream and shout and do all kinds of crazy things. Put your foot through the floorboard. But God wants you to be built up on a routine basis so that you're ready to face whatever there is. Your, your psycho kid teenage driver or whatever, you know, snowstorm that you might be facing in your life, figuratively or literally. And anyway, I'll tell you, most believers don't, you know why most believers don't do this? Because they don't understand one thing. A lot of reasons people have are not good reasons, but there's one reason that people don't practice this and they, they don't get built up. And that's number three, because it's a choice. It's a choice. It's biblical, it's a benefit, and it's a choice. In other words, you choose whether you pray in the Spirit or not. You choose. It's, it's, it's really the most powerful muscle you have. Again, similar to that with salvation or anything that you do in the Christian experience is free will agency. You have to choose. We must, in essence, yield our will to the will of the Holy Spirit to pray this way. 1 Corinthians 14 said this. It said, we read this earlier, for Paul speaking, for if I pray in tongues, if I pray. He did not say, if the Holy Spirit comes on me and puts me in a trance, and I begin to uncontrollably speak in tongues with everyone around me. No, he didn't say that. He said, if I pray. Acts 2 says in, in that Pentecost experience, it says, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they began. They began to speak in tongues. In other words, it's like anything else in Christianity. We must choose. We must yield to the Holy Spirit. We must cooperate with him. Do you realize that it's by faith you speak in this language? It's by faith you speak in any language, actually. But it's by faith you speak in this language. Some people say things like, well, it just sounds like a bunch of gibberish, and I don't know, I was doing it, but I, I, I didn't understand any of it anyway. Yeah, let me just tell you what that's like. It's like some of you have, you, you people, parents out there who have kids. It sounds like when your kids started to talk for the first time. It's baby talk. 
It's baby talk. You don't think it's so weird. You don't think it's so crazy when they're doing that. You think it's wonderful. You think they're, they're growing, they're developing. It's, it's normal for that to happen. Think about it. No ch child began immediately speaking with perfect diction and full sentences. My daughter Morgan was an exception to that. She just went, she didn't speak until she was like 10. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't speak until she was like 3, and then all of a sudden she started speaking in full sentences. But for, as a general rule, most people don't start speaking like that. It starts kind of these just groanings and monosyllabic tones and then a few little you know, broken words, and, you know, and I, I, I remember this with my own kids. I remember when my son, my firstborn, my wife will attest to this, he would be crying, and, 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 and I would be taking care of him, and she'd be in another room, and I'd be panicking. I wasn't real, you know, good in the early years as a father. And I remember speaking, you know, to him, you know, trying to calm him down, but he was speaking to me. And I couldn't understand him. And he's crying, and he's trying to talk to me and tell me something. And I can remember just kind of holding this child up in the air like, you know, Mufasa has Simba or whatever, you know, whatever that. And I'm just like, just tell me what you want. Just tell me what you want. You know, I, I just, I'll, I'll give whatever you want if you just tell me. But please, for the love of Moses, shut up. You know, and I know, I know he was just a baby. But what do you expect? You know, I was a first time dad. Anyway, I didn't have the gift of interpretation. Now, his mother did. She knew she could show up and just know exactly what he needs, when, uh, when he needs it, what he's looking for, what he wants. Similarly, when Madison, I was referencing this last week, but when Madison was young, she and Devin had this kind of strong connection. And, and, and they're similar in a lot of ways, but she would, be, she would be speaking at the dinner table. She'd be one of those little seats that you kind of park up to the seat and it's kind of hooks on and Devin would be sitting beside her and we always sit at the table having, you know, you know, whatever, roast beef and mashed potatoes and corn or whatever. And she'd just be talking to baby talk. Ah, bah, 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 bah. She's going on, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and she's getting louder and louder and louder. And Devin would just go, hey, Dad, uh, she wants some more corn. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. What are you talking about? She wants more. And I pass her some, some potatoes because I want her to have some potatoes. She goes, ah! And I'm like, just pass her the, the potatoes again. She goes, ah! And then uh, she just wouldn't take it. And then so I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I pull it back and I give her some, some corn. And then she starts smiling. And then Devin looks at me and goes, I told you. <laughs> I'm like, what is the deal? So, so she's speaking in tongues and Devin interpreted. All right? She's got this grace gift and Devin had the interpretation. Madison's language, the point I want to make, it was developing. And that's how it will be for you. It may start very simple, it may start very basic, but as you begin to use it, you begin to develop it, and you get a little bit stronger. And, you know, this may or may not be, this is, this is, this is something I, uh, just an opinion, but if you don't use it, you sort of lose it. I mean, by faith we have it, but it's a muscle, it's atrophies. And some of you might need a refresh. Some of you might have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you were young, when you were young and I needed, I needed to pray in the Spirit on a daily basis when I received it, but I didn't. Nobody told me that. Nobody explained that to me. And so I lost, I believe, um, confidence and I lost content. I lost confidence and I lost vocabulary. And as I mentioned in a couple of services ago until college when I had that kind of uh, experience with the Holy Spirit in my little Subaru truck and I, I got a refresh and I began to speak in, in, in a full kind of conversational like dialect. Originally I was baptized as a, as a boy, baptized in the Holy Spirit, also baptized in water as a boy. And I received several words when I was a little boy. I'll just share them with you because they're, they're kind of funny. But, um, but I can remember receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People laid hands on me, and I genuinely wanted it. And my prayer language was just a few words. I don't know what they mean to this day. They're heavenly, whatever. I used to say, Shandabasiki kwateyes. Shandabasiki kwateyes. Over and over and over again. And that may be foolish. It feels a little foolish even kind of saying it now as a grown man. But that's what I got as a little eight-year-old boy was this prayer language. But what happened is nobody told me to use it. Nobody told me to develop it. I actually tried to get other people to use it and use mine. <laughs> hey, you don't have one? Hey, just say this over and over again. Repeat it. It'll work for you. It'll work for me. And I just didn't know. I was, there was a lot of things that weren't, weren't developed in me. But um, do you realize that when you pray in English, it's by faith? In other words, when you go into a room, as instructed from the scriptures, go into a, a quiet place, close the door, you know, and, and ask and seek and knock to talk to God. You're, you're, you're in there. Think about it. If somebody's walking by, they're saying, who, who's he talking to in there? Well, I don't know. He's just like, he's just talking out loud. You know, he's, and he's, I don't know who he's talking to. You're, you're, sometimes you yourself are wondering, are my prayers even getting beyond the ceiling? 
And my prayer is even getting out of this room. Is anybody even listening to these things? While you're praying in English, you're thinking that. But you do it by faith. You do it because the Bible tells you to do it. That's why you do it. It's the same when you're praying in the Spirit. You do it by faith. You do it because the Bible says so. You do it because the Bible says it's beneficial and it will build you up. And you'll get better at it the more you do it. As you pray in English, you get better at praying in English. The same will happen as you begin to pray in the Spirit. You do it by faith. The Bible says you should do it. That's why you do it. It's a choice. It's a choice. You have to yield to the Holy Spirit. And don't worry that if you, some people worry, if I open myself up to that, you know, something embarrassing will happen. It'll just take me over. What, what do you mean? You're going to be like in the middle of like Whole Foods or Shaw's and you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come over you and you're going to grab an intercom and just start speaking in tongues over the intercom? That's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit's not trying to embarrass you. He's trying to build you, build you up from the inside out. And you're, and you're not going to get compelled or to do something crazy. It's, it's just like you surrender to his will, it's still in your control. It's still a choice. It's something you can choose to do or not to do. When you leave today, I'm going to tell you what is probably not going to happen. You're not going to walk, it's like this, you're not going to walk by the connection box on your way out today and a check is going to jump out of your back pocket and it's going to go into that connect, connection box and into that offering box. And you're going to say, oh my gosh, praise the Lord. I have the gift of giving. Look at how that check just jumped out into the connection box. That's so great. That's ridiculous. And you know it's ridiculous. And, and, and you may, I've been praying for that gift. That's not how it works. It just popped out. No, that's not really what's going on there. You're going to have to, if you want to be a, have the gift of giving, you're going to have to take your checkbook out and write a big, fat, Connect Community Church check. If we're going to talk about giving, we might as well go all the way. So that's what you're going to have to do. If you want to have the gift of giving, you're going to have to act on it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to step out in faith on those things. It's a choice to give. It's a choice to uh, experience this grace of tongues. If you're going to pray in the Spirit, you're actually going to have to open your mouth and start to pray. Maybe initially you pray in English. You start praying the wonderful works of God, all the wonderful things that he's done. And at a certain point, you make a determination, a decision. I'm not going to pray anymore in English. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I like to do this in the environment of worship. When I'm thinking about God, when I feel his presence, when I'm glorifying, when I'm acknowledging him, where he feels welcome, and I know that he's inhabiting the praises of people according to his word. But there's also kind of a manifest presence. That comes when you worship God. When you want to connect with God. And it's in that environment, that in that, in that atmosphere, that you can begin to pray in the Spirit. If you want it, this is a must. It's a choice. And there's these dumb rumors that go around that are spawned by Satan that you better be careful what you open yourself up to because you don't want some kind of demon coming to you or something like that. Let me just say, after being a Christian for many, many years, pastoring for a long time now, that's just ridiculous. If we, cannot, we can be oppressed by the devil as a believer, but not possessed by the devil. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, we're not yielding to the devil. We're actually getting stronger, able, more able to resist. The Bible says, uh, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James 4, 7. So you're actually more safe from being uh, taken. As if God is up there going, I want them to submit to me, and then he, he, I'm going to drop a little demon and just mess up their lives. He's not going to do that. That's not the kind of God you serve. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so he's here to, to build you up. He's here. He wants to bless you with this. He wants to help you navigate, again, this crazy world. And so do you really believe that God would do something like that to you? I don't know who that's speaking to, but I know there's some people out there that have been taught some crazy things. But if you're genuinely seeking him and wanting more of him, he's not going to play some kind of a trick on you like that. It's just ridiculous. In fact, Jesus answered this question. He must have known in his foreknowledge that that was going to be one of the tactics of the enemy to, to distract people, distort people, and keep people from it. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, it's not in your notes, but Jesus uh, kind of explains that when he talks about serpents and scorpions, he's explaining those are demonic spirits or fallen angels. And we've actually learned that in previous messages before. But in Luke 11, he says this. It's in your notes. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, look at this, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
again, I think this text was there for those kind of crazy thoughts that would come, those, those lies and deceiving spirits that would plant these kind of thoughts in our brain to keep us from active intervention with the Holy Spirit. So, are you convinced yet that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience after salvation? Well, Pastor, I believe in salvation. I believe in water baptism. I believe in the first two baptisms. What about this one? What about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And also the ability to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues. Where are you at today on that subject? Do you believe it's biblical? Can you see for yourself? Do you believe it's beneficial? More importantly, are you ready to make that choice? Are you ready to step kind of across that line and Kind of go to the next level in your faith. I'm not saying that you're going to be treated any differently. I'm just saying that life might actually be better. It might actually be easier. Not easy, but easier. And the burdens are there, but they're lighter when we have this. Where are you at today on that? I had a friend, as a closing story, who was kind of slow on the go in this particular experience. His name was David. Uh, he was Catholic, uh, raised Catholic, um, but he was hungry, and he was looking for more, and he ended up in our church many years ago. And he had some, uh, he had some different hang-ups and different things that were going on there. But he, he, he was a devoted follower. And uh, I prayed for him one day because he wanted it to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the short version is when he, um, when I laid my hands on him, right after that, he felt something come over him. He couldn't describe it right away. And I said, well, just go ahead, just release it. What is that? What, what is it? What is it? And he told me that he just felt like he needed to speak something out. And so I thought it was going to be his prayer language. And he didn't. He didn't speak in tongues, but he began to prophesy, actually. He said things like, you know, the church needs to be holy and needs to be consecrated and righteous in order to see God. And, and it was cool. In fact, Acts chapter 19, it says when the, the leaders begin to lay hands on them, begin to uh, pray in tongues and prophesy. And so I believe this is biblical. Um, and, and so he didn't get his prayer language, but he did begin to prophesy. It was powerful. Um, but he walked away a little bit discouraged. And two months later, um, while he was home, and he kept seeking and kept seeking and kept wanting it but struggling in his head. Two months later, his wife overheard him in his sleep praying in tongues. He was asleep and he's praying in tongues. When she got closer, she was like, is that English? Is that English? And No, and, and she, she couldn't understand what he was saying. She realized because she had received, I prayed for her the same day, she had received her, her prayer language that particular day and he didn't get it. And so it was kind of an awkward thing in the home. But she smirked, she kind of, kind of, she walked away, and later that morning she was in the bathroom, and she was just kind of laughing about it, and he's like, what are you laughing about, what are you laughing about, and no, I don't want to tell you, honey, because I don't want to embarrass you, no, you, you got to tell me now, and so she told him, she said, I, listen, I, I listened to you while you were sleeping, you were, you were talking in your sleep, well, what was I saying, she said, you were praying in tongues. He says, I was? Are you kidding me? What? I was praying in this, yeah, I was praying in tongues. So they went to church and they were talking to uh, a leader there and uh, one of the elders and, and they were sharing with one of the elders and the elder basically said, oh yeah, that happens with some people who are really, really hard-headed. <laughs> and of course he felt, you know, bad but also kind of laughed about it. But, you know, he, he, the elder said to him, you probably just built up kind of a, a stronghold in your mind about it. And he said, when you're alone, you know, um, this is what you can encourage you and I'm encouraging you to do, and you can encourage other people to. And this is what I, I want for somebody that's listening right now. Um, when you're alone, not worrying about what others think, but just preoccupied with what God thinks, just start to declare, again, the, the wonders of God. Begin to worship Him, and again, make that determination to just pray in English, but then just stop and just pray in the Spirit. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. Release your tongue. He's not going to take it over. He's not going to control it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to cooperate. You're going to have to release the tongue. You're going to have to move your mouth. But he, but he would tell you this. He would, he would basically say that <laughs> I had to wait until my body was shut down so that my spirit and God could talk because my mind would get in the way. That's how strong this kind of barrier was in his mind. And so God kind of had to Put me, hey, he's asleep. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's pray now. Come on, he's asleep. David's out. We're gonna we're gonna pray now. In other words, God had to wait for a total shutdown so he could give David what he actually wanted. And and needless to say, by the end of the week, in his bedroom worshiping God, in, I remember him telling me about it with tears. Uh, he received his prayer language all by himself. He was pumped up. He was praying in the spirit, and he was he could put on the whole armor of God from that day forward. And some of you might still think, well, I did that. I did what they said, and, and I still didn't feel anything. And, and I would say, well, that's okay. Do it anyway. When I started to tithe, I didn't feel anything either. I did it because it was biblical, because it was a benefit, and it was a choice. 
And the feelings followed. Now I love it. Now I'm a cheerful giver. And I was kind of a painful giver, an obedient giver in the beginning, but now I'm a cheerful giver. That's what's going to happen for you when you begin to do it because it's biblical, because it's beneficial, and because you make that choice to do it on a routine basis. There's a lot of things you ask people to do, your kids to do, or whatever, and they fall in love with it. They don't initially are in love with it. And so that's what happened to me. I began to do that. And as I explained not too long ago, eventually my prayer language when I was 19 years old that kind of language took off. It kind of took flight, and it was just rolling off my tongue. And it was there was just the ability to kind of um, confidence and articulate um, almost like a dialect that I'd never heard before. And it's wonderful. And God wants that for you. It's a language that He wants for you. And I could have stopped, and I can't you know anytime I wanted to. But I've had times where I prayed for over an hour in the Spirit easily. Sometimes you run out of English. What else do you pray? It's a wonderful benefit to be able to pray in the Spirit when you don't have the words to pray. Romans 8 talks about this. And I remember the first time thinking, you know, when this, this, this flow came over me, oh, this is what they're talking about. Or this is what the Bible is referring to. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I wish you all did it. And as your pastor, I want to say this. I wish you all did it too. I love you, and I can't wait to see you guys next time. God bless. All right, come on, let's give God a big hand. You guys got something out of it? This, this series has been such an awesome series. We got introduced to the Holy Spirit. Um, we learned a lot about Him. We learned that He is, again, He is not an it. He's not a force. He's not a, um, just an energy around that, that you feel it. No, no, He's a person. And the relationship with Him is so important for us to be... Uh, overcomers in this life and it's really nothing to do it has nothing to do with eternity or salvation or or spending life eternity with jesus um that is actually jesus accepting jesus as our savior but it really has to do with the here and now the, the giving us the ability and the and the power and the strength to overcome this world like he did amen all right let's always stand on our feet as a, as a, we conclude the service today With every, um, every head bowed, every eye closed, just let's give uh, everybody around you a little bit of privacy as we conclude. Maybe you're here today and perhaps you're, you're tired of trying to get better, trying to be better, trying to establish a relationship with God, but you seem to never be able to get there. Maybe you just listen to, to a voice in your head that tells you that you're too much in a mess, whatever your mess is, whether it's a marital, whether it's a business, finances, or just a simple struggle to listen to the voice of God. But let me tell you something. I know that you don't have to get everything figured out before you actually get to God. I believe that God has a plan, even in your mess. I believe that God plans to use any situation that you're in as the platform from which you will minister to people in the future. I believe that God has a phenomenal plan and His ways are always so excellent to actually turn, turn things around and just redeem you from wherever you are in life. Now, if you want to invite Christ in your life, again, the, the three baptisms that pastor taught on a couple of weeks ago, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, the first baptism is, is the baptism into the body of Christ, which is accepting His payment, His sacrifice on the cross as the only payment for all of your sin, past, present, and future. We all know that we can't, we can't pay for our sin. No matter how good you try to be no matter how good uh things how many good things you try to try to make you you never really offset that you never can bridge that gap we all fall short of the glory of god and he accepts nothing but perfection but it is through jesus christ that we are made righteous before god we are justified in christ which means that god sees us just as if we've never sinned because of the sacrifice of 
Christ, His only Son. Now, if you're ready to give up, if you're ready to admit that you can't get there by yourself, that you need help, that you need Jesus in your life, that's the first baptism. If you're ready for that, just between you, me, and God, again, every head bowed, every eye closed, just between me, you, and God, I promise not to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or call out your name or whatever the the thought that can come to your head right now just between me and your God boldly just lift up your hand and look me in the eye I see that hand I see the hand thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you I see the hand praise the Lord this is the most important decision that you can possibly make in your life so church Join me as, as we pray together. And, and for those of you who lifted your hand, this prayer cannot save you. The words itself cannot, cannot, cannot save you. But believing it in your heart as you pray it, that establishes your relationship with Christ. Amen? So let's, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I understand that there's nothing I can do to buy to earn, to receive and deserve salvation, eternal life with you. But I understand that you've paid a price for all of my sin. And now, as a result of you giving your life for me, I want to live my life for you and for you only. I give up my rights and I lift up my hands to you and I accept you as my savior, as my solid rock, as my place of refuge. Help me wherever I am. Strengthen me and give me the tools I need to overcome in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, as, as we just concluded a message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the gift of tongues, if you want to get prayed for, right now I can have all of our leaders, um, elders and leaders come up to the front. If you want to be prayed for to receive the gift of tongues, we're going to give you an opportunity to do it now. You, get, you guys can just come on to the front. Everyone else, if you have already received the gift and if you want to leave, we're going to dismiss the service right now. So you guys are free to leave. Thank you so much for coming. Um, please put your, connect, your, your connection cards in the back um, on the connection box. And don't forget to be here tonight for SNL at 530. It will be a phenomenal, phenomenal service tonight. And if you're a man, sign up for, for the men's event coming up on March 1st. Everybody else that wants to be prayed for, just come on to the front. We're going to have our leaders here, and we're going to be praying for you guys. Amen? Thank you so much for coming.